WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor. Liberty, justice, equality. Maybe in the 21st century. I'm having the same problem. I burn the flag for you, baby. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Gray Matters, your weekly current events, media criticism, and analysis program. My name is Jim Dwyer, and I'll be hosting the program this evening, while my senior partner and co-host, Dick Whaley, enjoys some uh, time with his family and a well-earned break from the rigors of the program. Well, hopefully everybody is enjoying the uh, relative uh, quiet that lingers over the town in the post-holiday bliss. And, of course, the holiday season is one which uh, is ongoing and continuing as we uh, are now fully in gear for Hanukkah and the end of the year approaching this coming weekend. What I will probably do tonight is, as we usually do, administer a few quick brain damage awards, uh, talk about some things that have uh, been in the papers uh, in the past couple of days, and uh, since we are at the end of the year, some interesting uh, financial uh, numbers, uh, statistics related to employment and spending power of uh, wages that workers are earning, since, of course, gift-giving is inherently tied up in this particular season as well. And for those who have received uh, generous gifts of uh, cash or gift certificates, I'm going to make a few recommendations for uh, books and, in one case, a couple of films that I would recommend, things that I have uh, enjoyed or valued over the year. Of course, uh, to do a program like this, it means uh, reading a lot of uh, Journals, magazines, etc. And of course, uh, Mr. Whaley and myself are no strangers to the old magazine subscription uh, piles. 
But uh, Dick Whaley also is a very uh, frequent borrower at the library, and pretty much uh, any current events book of any real merit uh, does uh, get picked up by him uh, or myself. And so uh, at the end of the program, or about the halfway point, what, as the case may be, I will uh, talk about some of the books that I would recommend to uh, listeners who are looking for a good read. But first things first, it is, of course, a December the 26th, and uh, my name is Jim Dwyer, and the program is Gray Matters here on WCBN. Open sign-up time, so programming is a little different and, in fact, flexible, and uh, hopefully everything will be covered schedule-wise. Jerry Mack should be here tonight for Yazoo City Calling. However, I would urge all WCBN DJs listening to the sound of my voice to please uh, help out, consult the open sign-up schedule board down here in the lobby and see what you can do to uh, help make sure that the station remains uh, on the air for the entire duration of the open sign-up period. All righty then. Let's get right to it here. A couple of items that we should probably begin with. Much ballyhoo over the vote in Iraq as demonstrative of increasing stability in that beleaguered nation, if we can even still call it a nation. And, of course, this is where the basket in which George W. Bush is putting pretty much all of the eggs uh, he's juggling in this uh, Iraq war because, of course, the sooner the vote uh, solidifies a parliament, the sooner they can begin to, as Rumsfeld made many claims over the weekend, uh, strategically withdraw U.S. troops. In fact, the first uh, troops that were uh, just being called up are now, in fact, being sidetracked to Kuwait to kind of create the impression that, well, the process has begun. Uh, sadly, though, this is probably euphemistic, as we'll see in just a moment. But the uh, actual vote itself in Iraq uh, has not led to the uh, easy answers and to the ready stability which uh, the Bush administration has claimed or hoped for. In fact, uh, many questions remain, as this uh, item dated uh, Christmas Day, uh, from the Associated Press's writer Patrick Quinn, the government, a governing Shiite coalition called on Iraqis Saturday to accept results showing the religious bloc leading in parliamentary elections and moved ahead with efforts to form a, quote, national unity government. But as they reached out to Sunni Arabs and others, senior officials in the United Iraqi Alliance deepened the post-election turmoil by claiming that Islamic extremists and Saddam Hussein loyalists were at the forefront of those questioning the results. At least one Sunni Arab leader said he was upset by the Shiite comments. <clears throat> uh, well, uh, the senior alliance official, uh, and that is the United Iraqi Alliance, uh, this gentleman's name is Jawad al-Maliki, uh, has said there will be no going back and no new elections. The results must be accepted and the will of the people must be respected. So who to thunk it, but it looks like they have a Florida in Iraq. Uh, elections don't always go the way you want. And of course, for all the Bush administration's talk about 
democracy, what in fact will uh, be the end result of uh, Shia uh, Islamist victory? Well, of course, this strengthens the the Shia strain in the region, which uh, the United States has uh, traditionally feared and uh, you know found very adversarial. Uh, to continue with uh, Patrick Quinn's article here, the Alliance's harsh comments demonstrated the difficulty that Iraqi parties will face in forming a government after the final election results are released in early January. Uh, Sunni Arab and secular Shiite factions are demanding that an international body review the fraud complaints, warning that they may boycott the new legislature. Oh dear. Well, so much for uh, stability, so much for democracy in Iraq uh, as imposed by this uh, top-down Bush administration uh, agenda. Of course, more violence in Iraq over the weekend, uh, at least one U.S. uh, soldier dead, and pretty much the debacle continues. Well, uh, the other side of the U.S.'s uh, Democratic mouth here is actually putting some pressure on Number two recipient of United States uh, foreign aid, Egypt, and that nation's president, Hosni Mubarak, to uh, release an opposition leader. Uh, This is a gentleman named Ayman Noor, who has uh, been imprisoned, basically, for uh, being just that, an opposition leader. Uh, This is an article by Nadia Abu El-Magd from the Associated Press. The candidate was, in fact, sentenced for petition forgery. But uh, Noor, to go to the article, who came in a distant second to President Hosni Mubarak in the country's first contested presidential elections earlier this year, said the government invented the forgery charges to eliminate him from politics. Quote, The United States calls upon the Egyptian government to act under the laws of Egypt in the spirit of its professed desire for increased political openness and dialogue within Egyptian society and out of humanitarian concern to release Mr. Noor from detention, so says White House spokesman McClellan. And uh, Noor's Al-Ghad party, that's A-L-G-H-A-D is the transliteration in English, uh, issued a statement saying Saturday's verdict was, quote, a matter of settling of the accounts of the presidential elections. The verdict had been issued a long time ago, and it did not come from the court, but from the regime, which has destroyed political life, for many decades. Well, indeed, this is true, and uh, it's been pointed out by a number of writers that there's an interesting correlation between the amount of funds nations receive from the United States and uh, the lack of democracy in those countries. Certainly, Colombia would be a good example. <clears throat> Actually, I think repression was the statistic, not so much lack of democracy. But uh, here we see both, hand in hand, very comfortingly. All righty. Well, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, Rumsfeld was making the rounds of the uh, Sunday morning chat shows. Uh, uh, Well, no, excuse me, not the chat shows this week, but on a three-day tour, not a three-hour tour but a three-day tour. It might be nice to send Rumsfeld on a three-hour tour, which would shipwreck him on perhaps Prisoner Island, if not Gilligan's Island. But uh, he spent a couple of days in Iraq, and in this article by Robert Burns from the Associated Press, that in and of itself 
is testimony that uh, Rumsfeld believes that there is more security in Iraq because on his previous trips to Iraq, he never spent the night. So uh, perhaps this time he had teddy bear, blankie, and even a nightlight, but uh, he spent two nights there. So it must be must be stable. Uh, and his message is that the U.S. military is not rushing to get out, but it is getting out nevertheless. And he points to a number of things here as uh, positive signs in Iraq, but we're not going to bother uh, cataloging those. Uh, however, uh, this is an interesting quote. Rumsfeld said in Fallujah, uh, quote, The U.S. and coalition military leadership is trying to seek the proper balance between having a military footprint large enough to help the Iraqis win their fight against terrorists, but not a footprint so large or intrusive as to antagonize a proud and patriotic people or to discourage the Iraqi people from taking initiative to run their own country for themselves. Close quote. Okay, that's what we don't want to do. But why would he say that? Because that's, in fact, what we're doing. <laughs> Leaving a large and intrusive footprint, which has obviously antagonized a proud and patriotic people. Okay, well, so Rumsfeld uh, gets his brain damage award for the week. Uh, an article also in this same uh, newspaper, this is today's uh, Ann Arbor News, an art, interesting article uh, entitled, Pragmatic Rice Gets High Marks from U.S. Public. This is a bit of so-called analysis here by Ann Guerin who has uh, many fine and wonderful things to say about Condoleezza Rice, who's received numerous brain damage awards uh, of her own on this program in the past few years. She is, of course, the nominal Secretary of State. But Ann Guerin's article begins by saying something which, to my mind, is fairly incredible. Uh, Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice has become the most un... Excuse me, I'll start again. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice has become the most popular member of the Bush administration and a potential candidate to succeed her boss in the White House, even as Americans lose confidence in the president she serves and patience with the Iraq war she helped launch. Well, okay, I'd be interested for one thing in seeing the statistics on this uh, survey group and maybe another way to phrase the alleged popularity of Condoleezza Rice is to say that she is the least unpopular member of the Bush administration. Because clearly Cheney's disapproval ratings are quite high. Bush's uh, have been high for quite a while now. Uh, the administration is fraught with scandal, uh, with uh, fraud, and all sorts of dubious enterprises. Uh, she has, in fact, remained uh, relatively untarnished by this, but uh, to call her the most popular is, I think, uh, torturing the language a little bit. Uh, certainly, uh, there are many questions as to whether she is uh, qualified uh, to run for president, having never held elected office. Uh, this, of course, uh, you know, we're going to turn a blind eye to the fact that the current occupier of that position is, is clearly unqualified as well. Uh, but Ann Guerin's article goes on to uh, say the following. Rice resolutely defends the post-September uh, 11th war on terrorism and the expansive executive powers that Bush claims came with it. She has lately sounded more optimistic than Bush about the progress of the Iraq war and the future for that country. 
yet it is unusual to hear anyone talk about Rice as an architect of either of those two defining undertakings of the Bush presidency. By a mix of charm, luck, and physical distance from the White House, Rice has managed to escape the fate of Bush and Vice President Cheney, who saw their public approval ratings fall to historic lows, blah, 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 blah. Well, I think we can also include uh, mainstream media complicity in this rosy glow surrounding uh, Condoleezza Rice, who can be readily demonstrated, uh, perjured herself before the 9-11 committee. Um, Yes, I've seen a few Condi in 2008 bumper stickers around town, too. And one can only hope that the people uh, driving those cars uh, are competent to drive the cars because uh, certainly there are some questions about their selection for our nation's next president. It's too early to even talk about who the next president's going to be. Uh, Maybe what we should do is talk a little bit about uh, maybe impeaching the one we have now. Speaking of which... Another item here, uh, this by Peter Baker and Jim Vandehi of the Washington Post in an item from uh, December 21st uh, about, well, the headline is Power Lies at Heart of Spying Debate. And this is about the uh, domestic spying program uh, recently exposed. Uh, And we have to give Cheney his Brain Damage Award on this one for some comments that he makes about the uh, weakness of the executive office. Uh, Begin with the article. The clash over the secret domestic spying program is one slice of a broader struggle over the power of the presidency that has animated the Bush administration. Bush and Cheney came to office convinced that the authority of the presidency had eroded and have spent the past five years trying to reclaim it. Wow. Okay, the power of the presidency has eroded. Well, the executive uh, has been really running. uh, We've had no more checks and balances. The executive has been ceded power and has taken power repeatedly since World War II. And although there are some minor blips on the horizon with the, you know, clumsiness of the Ford administration in wake of the uh, post-Watergate Nixon self-destruction, uh and some missteps by Carter, uh, there's really no serious uh, evidence that the executive has been eroded or weakened. But, of course, say what supports your claim, right, Mr. Cheney? Well, U.S. District Judge James Robertson, one of 11 members of the secret Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, uh, resigned, notifying Chief Justice John Roberts of his resignation uh, as of uh, last week providing no explanation. However, uh, insiders uh, close to this individual have suggested that uh, the reason he resigned is because of this uh, deep concern over the, quote, warrantless surveillance program authorized by the president in 2001 and its questionable legality. Okay. Now, Cheney says that he believes in a strong, robust executive authority. And uh, if I can find his longer quote here. Here we go. I believe in a strong, robust executive authority, says Vice President Dick Cheney, and I think that the world we live in demands it. And to some extent, 
that we have an obligation as the administration to pass on the offices we hold to our successors in as good of shape as we found them. To some extent? I'm not quite sure how to incorporate that phrase into the overall meaning here. But anyway, Cheney's quote continues. In wartime, he said, the president, quote, needs to have his constitutional powers unimpaired. Okay, speaking with reporters traveling with him aboard Air Force Two to Oman on his uh, torture tour of uh, last week, Cheney said that the period after Watergate scandal in the Vietnam War proved to be, quote, the nadir of the modern presidency in terms of authority and legitimacy and harmed the chief executive's ability to lead in a complicated, dangerous era. But I do think that to some extent we've now been able to restore the legitimate authority of the president. Wow, that's a remarkable statement, considering, again, the degree to which fraud, uh, manipulation of information, and other political chicanery has been unabashedly used by this administration. Uh, legitimacy and respectability uh, uh, have never been in greater question, I think. Bruce Fine, a constitutional lawyer and a former Reagan administration official, says, quote, The great irony is Bush inherited the strongest presidency of anyone since Franklin Roosevelt, and Cheney acts as if he's still under the constraints of 1973 or 74. John Sununu, another longtime uh, Bush-Reagan affiliate, also observed that, quote, The vice president may be the only person I know of that believes the executive branch has somehow lost power over the past 30 years. So Dick Cheney is saying things that don't really have any meaning, and we shouldn't be surprised. However, John Conyers has uh, put forward a bill calling on Congress to determine whether or not there are grounds for impeachment over this uh, domestic spying thing. Uh, This is unfortunately an unlikely uh, incident uh, in view of a Republican-controlled Congress, but at least it's nice to know that somebody is suggesting the matter. So, a couple of brain damage awards, and uh, on we go. Uh, I guess I can save these items about FEMA for another time, because I did want to get to this short bit by uh, Paul Roberts, which comes uh, courtesy of Counterpunch Magazine. This is a independent journal. Uh, essentially run by Alexander Coburn and Jeffrey St. Clair. And there's some interesting uh, information in a piece entitled Bush a Year Later by the aforementioned writers. <clears throat> and they have uh, a number of uh, financial uh, economic experts, professors that uh, they have spoken with. And I'm going to read you some of their findings here on this. Robert Poland, professor of economics at U, uh, University of Massachusetts Amherst, uh, has offers his take on the likely economic bust. His ominous response, quote, The U.S. housing bubble began in earnest with the collapse of the stock market bubble in 2000, as investors, including foreign investors, moved their funds into housing as opposed to stocks. What will be the effects of the end of the bubble? If housing prices fall sharply, as is possible, it could threaten the viability of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. These are two of the largest financial institutions in the U.S. and the world, and they are leveraged up to their teeth in mortgages, the collateral for which will collapse right along with the decline in housing prices. Homeowners have been borrowing against their newfound housing wealth uh, to sustain high levels of consumption, and that, too, will decline. A real estate market collapse will not be pretty, 
Japan has to fully emerge from its own collapse of 15 years ago. And I'll interrupt this to throw in a uh, preceding piece of information that in the second week of December, Business Week took a look at Loudoun County. This is 30 miles southeast of the nation's capital, and it has been the hotbed of uh, real, the hottest real estate market, rather, in the country since 2000. Median sales prices went from 506,000 to 480,000 in just two months, and uh, three for sale signs go up for every two taken down. Uh, the obviously the housing market is in some uh, trouble. Back to the overall flow of uh, this article here in the uh, Counterpunch Journal. Uh, On another front, General Motors darkened Thanksgiving by announcing the shutdown of 12 plants with a loss of 30,000 jobs. Imagine what it's like to turn on the TV news in Spring Hill in Middle Tennessee and hear that 5,576 jobs are scheduled to go out the window. So much for being a right-to-work state. Same as Georgia, where GM is closing the Doraville plant, 3,076 jobs gone, or Oklahoma, which is losing the Oklahoma City plant that employs 2,734. The city of Flint reels yet again. GM says it will close Factory 36 there, where 735 workers turned out engines. Ford is about to follow suit with more than 30,000 layoffs involving the closing of 10 plants. On the Counterpunch website, Paul Craig Roberts, former assistant secretary of the Treasury in the Reagan years, derides Bush administration's cheers for the November employment figures. Says Roberts, quote, Spinmeisters made the most out of the 215,000 jobs. Looking beyond the glitter at the real facts, this is what we see. 21,000 of those jobs were government jobs supported by taxpayers. There were only 194,000 new jobs in the private sector. Of those new jobs, 37,000 are in construction and only 11,000 in manufacturing. The bulk of the new jobs, 144,000, are in domestic services. Wholesale and retail trade account for 20,000. Food service and drinking places, waitresses and bartenders, etc., account for 38,000. Healthcare and social assistance account for 27,000. Professional and business services account for 29,000. Financial activities gained 13,000 jobs. Transportation and warehousing gained 8,000 jobs. Very few of these jobs result in tradable services that can be exported or help to close the growing gap in the U.S. balance of trade. The 11,000 new factory jobs and the 15,000 of the previous month are a relief from the usual loss. However, these gains are more than offset by the job cuts recently announced by General Motors and Ford. Despite the gain in jobs, total hours worked declined as the average work week fell to 33.7 hours. The decline in the labor force participation rate, a consequence of the shrinkage in well-paying jobs, masks a higher rate of unemployment than the reported 5%. The ratio of employment to population fell again in November. Average hourly earnings, up 3.2% over the last year, are not, however, keeping up with the consumer price index, which is up 4.3%. Consequently, real incomes are falling. So all the spit and polish available are not going to prove sufficient to add real luster or real growth to an economy which is in a rather confused and muddled state. 
Again, those uh, are the writings of Alexander Coburn and Jeffrey St. Clair and Paul Craig Roberts. Counterpunch is available online at counterpunch.org, and uh, it's worth checking out. It's about 6.57, and I've gone longer with my news items than I thought. Jerry Mack should be here uh, for Yazoo City Calling this evening, but uh, I'll use what remaining few minutes I have to recommend a few books. Uh, Noam Chomsky, of course, is very prolific and much respected, widely known in, in this particular community, fairly widely read author. Uh, it's at this point where if you've been reading Chomsky books for, uh, you know, over the years, you may not need to pick up every new little book. Uh, as he gets on in years, uh, he's beginning to repeat himself a little bit, but sadly I think this is more a sign of uh, the continuing and ongoing uh, state of uh, chaos in our nation's governance than uh, anything to do with his uh, mental faculties. Uh, but his newest book, uh, Imperial Ambitions, a series of interviews with David Barsamian, is probably best recommended to uh, Chomsky neophytes. The uh, Barsamian interviews are quite good, uh, very approachable, uh, and manageable. Chomsky, of course, uh, his use of footnotes to extensively document and detail his positions and arguments uh, is sometimes intimidating. But uh, these Barsamian books are, are very good for uh, younger, uh, even high school readers. Um, so it's with that uh, stipulation that I recommend Imperial Ambitions. If uh, time permits, uh, on another week I may go into a quote there. Uh, David Ray Griffin, who wrote the very excellent book New Pearl Harbor, Disturbing Questions About the Bush Administration and 9-11, has written a follow-up in 2005, uh, the 9-11 Commission Report, Omissions and Distortions. Now, this first book, I've, I've not yet read the uh, Commission Report book by David Griffin, but his New Pearl Harbor book is probably the best single-volume compendium of uh, problems with official versions of the events and accounts of 9-11. In fact, he's got uh, several lists at the end, 40-point lists of uh, questions raised about the uh, dubious nature of many of the uh, administration's claims regarding that uh, violent attack. 